Come on, that, that's double down. Spencer's were a little soft. <laughs> Come on, Spence. At my age, to still have very thick hair, I, I'm not Fantastic. messing. I'm not messing with that. I am not gonna mess with it. Many of us are jealous. <laughs> Yours truly so. included. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. To talk about BYU men's hoops and Colin Chandler and even the Cleveland State win, let's bring in Paul Biancardi, National Recruiting Director for ESPN, former Horizon League coach of the year at Wright State. He's a college basketball analyst, NBA draft analyst. Paul, great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you guys for inviting me. Let's start with Colin Chandler because you were uh, the guy on the Instagram live with him and you have this relationship with him and, and you cover the game. This was a huge get for BYU. What was it like to kind of see the evolution of Colin Chandler as a player and then he ends up choosing BYU? Yeah, I had a chance to see Colin Chandler numerous times and put him in our ESPN rankings, which is a pretty prestigious place to be uh, pre-summer. I believe he was 77. And then after this summer, he was just fantastic. He took his game to another level. He was already really good in terms of scoring the ball for the Utah prospects. Uh, he could make tough shots. He could score big numbers. Uh, he's a team guy. That, that's what really attracted me to him is with all his talent and all his statistics, he's still a team guy. He makes the right play at the right time. Uh, I bumped him up into the uh, high 20s in the class, and that's a very, very elite spot. He comes in to BYU after his Mormon mission. I mean, he's going to be a difference maker from day one. He'd be a difference maker if he went to college next year. That's how good he is. Yeah, and part of me wishes he would, but obviously uh, Tyler and I <laughs> went on missions. We know the value of what a mission can do for you in your life. Um, 50 spots is a massive jump, Paul. What did you see that made you feel like he earned a 50-spot jump? Consistency. Brought it every game. Uh, and he does he does it in different ways. I mean, it's the three-point shot. It's the drive. He can make the assist. A much underrated passer because, as Tyler knows, a lot of guys get reputations on how they score the ball. He can really pass it. Now, his defense must improve. He recognizes that. But offensively, he has a gift to put the ball in the basket, whether it's in transition or in the half-court set. You run plays for him, or he can take a broken play and make something happen. Uh, he's one of the best guards in the country. Absolutely. Uh, BYU is so excited to have him. Um, you know, I think it's unique that he exploded onto the scene. I mean, generally, I mean, this is my feeling that most top 100 recruits, you know, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're a top 100 recruit for a while, right? I mean, is he pretty unique in that he exploded so late and had so many big schools chasing him? Well, I think he, he, as he mentioned on the um, Instagram Live, he started to get recruited late in his sophomore year from the high level. And, and then it started to happen even more so, more intense, as you know, when he was a junior. I think once you get on that national stage in the summertime, you have a, you have a chance, you have an opportunity you know, to play against the best players in the country, and then you can see how you do, how your team does. And him playing with the Utah prospects was really important, guys, because – he played with other really good players and, and they played a team game. So many times I see, you know, ragtime pickup basketball in the summer and, and it's hard to see a player's traits. 
And you asked me why he made the big jump. Part, part of Colin Chandler's DNA, I believe, is that he, he loves the game. You know, he plays with a certain joy to it. And once he got up into that ranking area, he kept that spot. But you're right. Usually guys sometimes start out early and stay ranked throughout their career. Some guys get ranked early and then fall off because they can't manage the expectations. And Colin Chandler getting, getting good at the right time. Paul Biancardi, National Recruiting Director for ESPN, joins us on BYU Sports Nation. There were some big names that Colin could pick from. Grew up a Utah fan. Dad's still a Utah guy. Wore a black shirt instead of a BYU shirt. The rest of the family wore the BYU gear, which was fun. <laughs> He'll come around in time. But uh, th- this was BYU beating out the likes of Gonzaga and Arizona and Oregon and, and Stanford and Utah. This was a big get for the Cougars. Did you have a sense of how BYU won this in the last couple of weeks? Well, first of all, I really didn't know where he was going up until the last couple of days. I, I had no idea. I, I really believe, though, it was between Utah and BYU. I think that tennis match went back and forth a lot. And that speaks volumes to both of the programs because you have Oregon, Arizona, Gonzaga. Basically, all those schools in the Pac-12 and Gonzaga really wanted him. And I'm sure there were schools in other conferences as well. He just kind of narrowed that down uh, to West Coast schools. So, I mean, for, for him to, to be where he was and for the BYU to get him, ultimately, he told me the staff, Mark Pope, Burgess, and the rest of the guys just showed him a level of experience at the NBA level that could help him get there. That's his ultimate goal someday, as most great players all want to play in the league. I think Colin Chandler felt most comfortable with the BYU staff helping him develop over time. Paul, what what are uh, Colin's chances of, of, of making uh, the NBA at this point? I mean, uh, evaluate his talent from, from that perspective. Well, he's a long way away. I mean, he really is. Just because you're ranked doesn't mean you're going to be an NBA player. It just means that you're a really good player now in high school and you have a chance to impact the college game. And then there's an opportunity uh, to get drafted. So for Colin Chandler, lots of development. He has to change his body. Uh, who better than Eric Shork, strength and conditioning coach. Shout out to my man, Eric, who worked for me at Wright State and St. Louis. He's got to change his body. He's got to change his defensive mindset, the approach to the defensive end. And then offensively, he's got to become more efficient and uh, polish up his skills. He, he's got to keep that high level of competitiveness. I think he has a real chance, guys, uh, to be an NBA draft pick. Where that will be, uh, it's so hard to predict right now. It's so hard to project. But I do see Colin Chandler as an NBA draft pick. Uh, when he gets back on the court, I can tell you a little bit more how closer he'll be. Yeah, he's three years away from playing, and then he needs at least a year or two, you'd think. So we're like five years out from this conversation. But I didn't realize Eric Shork worked for you. That's super cool. We love Eric. He's doing great work here at BYU. We're, we're super lucky to have him. Um, in terms of hey, recruiting. Hey, let, let, him, let him work you out. He'll make you stronger <laughs> and faster. I, I don't I, think you'll like him as I'm much after this, the work. Yeah, I'm on this side for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got a great personality, too. He's, he's fun. In terms of recruiting battles, obviously Colin being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a big deal in terms of being, BYU having access to a kid like that, right? But BYU's Big 12 invite, what does this mean for BYU in recruiting, especially basketball? Because as we know, Paul, this is the best league in America, and it will still be when uh, the four teams enter and Texas and Oklahoma leave, it would seem. It's a big-time conference. It's going to stay a big-time conference, even with the exit of, of Texas and Oklahoma, as you mentioned. And that was a big attraction of Colin Chandler. 
See, all the guys that are really talented and ranked, uh, they want an opportunity against the best. And for BYU to go into the Big 12, a Collins saw an opportunity to play against the likes of Baylor and Kansas State and TCU and Texas Tech and, and then still stay at home. And I think that was a big, big uh, selling point and the fact that he's going to go on a mission. And then when he comes back, they're already in the conference. Uh, that was huge. The staff was big. Obviously, the B BYU alumni, as you guys know more than anyone, uh, how strong of a foothold they have in the state. And that was attractive because Colin understands that, you know, when his playing days are over, uh, he's going to rely on the BYU alums as well as his education and his personality uh, for, for employment opportunities. And BYU certainly has an influence in that area, as you mentioned. Okay, let's, let's ask you about Cleveland State the Horizon League champs. You were the coach of the year at Wright State, super successful there. I think some people got a sense of what that meant, uh, that win on Tuesday in the season opener, but I don't know if people fully understand it because Cleveland State had five seniors. They all come back, came back, they won the league. That was a pretty good win, maybe an underrated win for BYU on the opening night. Yeah, great win. First of all, college basketball this year is, is probably going to be the oldest it's ever been because of the COVID factor, everybody coming back. So teams are going to be really experienced. You're going to be playing against 23, 24-year-olds. As you guys know, being with BYU and, and, and the kids go on a mission and come back, how much tougher, stronger-minded those kids are. When I, was at when I was at Wright State, we played Cleveland State. They weren't very good at the time. Dennis Gates has really resurrected the program. And he's got kids that are really like, I call them alley cats. They just come at you. Uh, they're tenacious. They play hard. They've been successful. Uh, he grew under Leonard Hamilton of Florida State, so he has a he has a style and a philosophy. Anytime you win a game in the mid-majors against a team that has won their league or is predicted to win their league in the future, it's a great win. It was a great toughness win for BYU because Cleveland State has this mantra, and they really play hard all the time. They're really super aggressive. Uh, so kudos to BYU. Great win. Paul, um, what are your thoughts on Coach Pope and, and the program that he's building? I mean, uh, two NCAA tournament appearances and two top 25 finishes. I mean, he's building something special here at BYU. He really is. Uh, Mark's a, a really energetic guy, and uh, he knows what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. The recruiting has been sensational. You know, some guys like Alex Barcelo, um, you know, you get him back on a transfer situation. You get the right transfers. You get the in-state players. You know, you hire a staff around you that are not yes men. You can't have yes men around you if you're going to be good in college athletics or, or good at any level in coaching. You guys know that. So I think Mark challenges himself with his staff um, and, and just the direction he's taken this program. It, it's been really, really fun to see. Um, I don't want to say this to um, make BYU fans, you know, a little anxious, but, you know, if he gets real successful, you don't know where he's going to go from here. No, that's what we've been thinking, and the Big 12 thing uh, maybe helps with that, which was, oh, maybe he's more maybe BYU can afford to pay him more, and he's enticed to stay should BYU get to a Sweet 16. You kind of need to win two games plus to get real attractive, like Mark Pope's on the rise. At what point is he not on the rise and he's risen? Um, but, but we'll see. I do want to finish with this. BYU and San Diego State tonight. That was BYU's best win by net ranking uh, last season on the resume to get BYU a sixth seed. 
tonight San Diego State comes in having defeated the UC Riverside team that made the buzzer beater last night no. against Arizona State, which was crazy. What are your yeah. thoughts on the matchup tonight in the Merritt Center? Place is going to be rocking, first of all. Great to have fans back. And the Marriott Center is an awesome place for a game. You got to be good with the basketball. The key to BYU's success tonight, in my opinion, is going to be the, the turnover game. If you limit your turnovers and points against turnovers, San Diego State, you know, we know they're long and athletic and, and their calling card is their defense, but their ability to get deflections, to take your vision away, you know, this is the game within the game. And so you have to be really tight with your passing and ball handling. You can't be casual with the ball. Uh, it's going to be the offense of BYU against the defense of San Diego State. BYU had 14 turnovers on Tuesday. Got to got to trim that number down. Paul, we appreciate the time, man. Good stuff with Colin Chandler, of course, and some insight into the Horizon Link, and of course, Eric Shork. All right, guys, let's do it again. Okay, thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate it. Paul Biancardi from ESPN, National Recruiting Analyst. Um, he does great stuff. He was with Colin Chandler on the Instagram Live. Mm -hmm. And uh, great insight into sort of that process and college hoops. And I didn't know he worked with Shark, which is cool. Yeah. He's a strength and conditioning guy. And he's a Horizon League uh, former coach of the year. So he knows Cleveland State. This is like the perfect interview we could have had today. I, no, I, really great insight into the whole uh, ranking system in, with ESPN. And, I mean, obviously has a ton of experience and – Really excited about Colin Chandler. I mean, who he said is he's an N he said he's an NBA player. Yeah. Um, granted, down the road here, mm -hmm. uh, I would think that Colin needs at least two years here, right? Um, maybe so. a year if he's incredible. Um, but off a mission, that's tough. It's tough. It's a tough ask. You it went is. through that process, right? Mm -hmm. You only averaged twenty something. So yeah, it can was be done. It was really <laughs> tough for you off a mission. That's right. Yeah. Just get in the church gym early. That's right. Come on. Get those legs back. And, and I think he's going to hit the ground running, though. I mean, he's in it. He's a next-level talent. So, very exciting. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cook Whip Round is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Which BYU Cougar is most likely to have a Jimmer-esque performance tonight against the Aztecs? I feel like you can't talk about San Diego State without Jimmer. It feels like it, right? Uh, we showed some Tyler House earlier. Let's acknowledge that. You know, um, Alex Parcells is the only guy yeah. that could go off. Um, he did. He was the only guy that went 20 plus last year. Um, and two years ago for Alex Barcelo, it was a different role for him. Um, AB's the only guy, man. Hey, Trevin Nell can get hot. I mean, if this is an up and down game, I think Trevin could could get hot. And I mean, that in the Jimmer range, though. <laughs> I love Trevin. No but one's like, Jimmer. Like 47? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, AB is unique, right? On a BYU football bye week, which team has your rooting interest and why? So I like this Baylor-Oklahoma matchup. Mm. I think BYU played Baylor really tough, and if Baylor takes down Oklahoma, I think that strengthens their, their schedule to move up a couple of spots. That's a great point. If you look at BYU's two losses, how were they right? Boise State's unfortunately not going to do anything that matters, really. That just is what it is. But you're right. If Baylor beats Oklahoma all of a sudden, 
Oklahoma State's still the best team in that league because they would have beaten Baylor. But I also look at uh, Wake and North Carolina State, kind of who do you want to be in there? Do you want Wake to just climb up or North Carolina State to get out of the way from behind? Um, you know, this is the question we always have to ask ourselves. Do we actually root for Utah? Do you, have to, do you root for Utah to have a strength of schedule? The answer from me and Dave McCann and Max Hall is never. <laughs> never root I'm sorry. for Utah. I'm sorry. That's just how it We're is. We're going to watch them, though, and, and if it if it helps BYU, then great. But I don't I don't think we can ever cheer. It's it's hard. If it helps BYU, we're never that's gonna the... say we're cheering for them. Never, never. Sorry. Okay, nine of the 14 2023 expected Big 12 teams are bowl eligible at this point. Is the new Big 12 the third best Power Five conference in football? The ACC has ridden the coattails of Clemson for a while. Now that Clemson isn't that good. We kind of look at the ACC, and the middle part of it has been better, but ultimately you're kind of defined by the top of the crust. The big, the new Big 12 is going to be really good. I just wonder if there's going to be a national championship contender. That will be the conversation, because yeah. it's not enough to have uh, eight to 10 win teams. You got to have that team that has zero or one losses that's actually competing at that level. Oklahoma's leaving. Texas is not a contender in the Big 12. Haven't been for several years. Ask the knee brace of Taysom Hill about that. So um, probably the third the talent's there. Someone could rise up. Though. SEC Big Ten behind it. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. Yeah, McWorld, it could happen. Which BYU sporting event is the biggest this weekend? Uh, there's a lot going on, but I, I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna stick with the basketball game. I, I do San think, Diego State. I do think men's hoops versus uh, San Diego State is probably my pick. Uh, second pick would be NCAA tournament game with women's soccer. And, of course, Senior Day Women's Volleyball. That's going to be an emotional good day uh, and sad day at the same time. But BYU's going to play some home games in the NCAA tournament, we think. And then Women's Hoops, second game. So a lot going on, baby. Okay, Jerem. We noticed that a Twitter account by the name of Ghost of the Bib followed BYU okay. Sports Nation on Twitter. in the 90s. Yep. Description reading BYU Sports Fandom account. Spencer <laughs> Linton is probably wrong. Jerem Jordan is probably right. What? What is this? Which begs the question, Jerem, is this, is this a burner account? No, I have a few other uh, of those, but no, this is this is not me. So, I, wow, big fan. I'm going to start following uh, at Ghost of the Bib. I don't <laughs> think Spencer's wrong. I just disagree with some things. You know, it's different. Jerem's probably right. I feel like this is the expected <laughs> answer of a, a burner account oh, owner. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I'll accidentally, you know... Like some I think this was Kevin it, Durant's uh, Kevin Durant's response. One, when, one time there was a, an account that talked about BYU broadcasting stuff like in 2010 or 11, and I was the only follower. And so like the brass came down and said, "Is this you?" And I said, "No, it's not." <laughs> Our boy Jason Shepard is hanging out with Mickey Mouse and the Avengers at Disneyland, and of course he's uh, head toned BYU gear. Are you the rep the Y guy at Disneyland <laughs> hey, or girl? I I love this. Hey, there's always, I mean, walking around Disneyland, there's always guys repping the Y. I respect that. Got to give them some respect. Come on. But I'm not that guy. You're not the yeah, rep the Y at Disneyland? Yeah, at Disneyland, Disneyland, we're, Disneyland. We, we've got matching t-shirts. I yeah. mean, I leave it up to my wife to, to I'm handle the outfits. I, yeah, yeah. Good call there. I am probably the rep the Y guy at Disneyland. I think so. Yeah, not, I, not to the, I'm not double logo guy, though. We do talk about that. Are you <laughs> double, double, logo. double BYU logo, though? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
Draft. It is our pleasure now to welcome in former BYU linebacker great Isaiah Kafusi. Let's yeah. talk some football, Isaiah. I mean, assuming you want to Let's with the it. Cougars ranked number 14 in the AP poll, we're waiting to see what they're in the college football playoff poll, but you cool if we talk football? Hey, let's do it, man. I love it. I love talking football. <laughs> okay, just a season removed for you from your BYU career, but you're watching BYU football get back to where you were last year in the middle of the college football playoff poll. What has impressed you most about this team that makes them maybe different than the team you were on last year? I just think it's just the guys stepping up. Um, you know, a lot of lot of voids coming out, you know, this year and a lot of question marks, I think, around how guys were going to respond. Um, so just, I, I just think the biggest thing is just the guys that have stepped up, um, the leadership, and, and just people, you know, stepping up into roles that I think, you know, maybe we're are, are pushing it, you know, getting out of their comfort zone, and just really excited for the guys, really proud of the guys, what they've done so far. Defensively, let's look at that end because uh, that's where you played. Uh, BYU has been better than I think people think. Some people get frustrated over certain things. Uh, obviously, you know, gave up 49 to Virginia. Second half was amazing um, against Power 5 teams outside of Virginia. It was like giving up like 21 a game. What have been your thoughts about the defense so far this season? Yeah, really proud of the defense. I think they've really stepped up. Um, I know a lot of people aren't big fans of some of the schemes that we run. But I, I'm a big fan. Um, the drop eight, I think, was was what won us the game against Virginia. Um, big fan of the drop eight um, when it's used and you know correctly. I think it it uh, the fans don't necessarily like it as much, but I think it does. Um, you know, it, it does have its its time and place, and I think you know it obviously it creates turnovers and um, two forced turnovers, and that the end of that game was key. So really proud of the defense though and what they're doing. You know, I, I think. A lot of guys have stepped up, and there's some names up there that people probably don't really recognize as much, but um, a lot of them are stepping up, so it's really fun to see them. Yeah, let's not overlook the fact that BYU is without Keenan Peely and on the outside in the secondary without Keenan Ellis. I mean, those are two massive injuries early in the season. Focusing on Keenan Peely, specifically at the linebacker position, what does a player like Keenan Peely mean to this BYU team and then – to have the team rally around the fact that he's not there. Yeah, I, I think he's a, a really solid component of the defense and he just brings the, you know, that energy, the leadership. He, I mean, he's a fighter. He will fight to the end. Uh, he, he gives everything he's got. He lays his, his body on the line as we have seen. Um, and, and so I think, you know, m- missing him has been, you know, he is a missing piece and it's been felt. His presence has been, um, you know, his, I guess has been felt, um, but I think, you know, a lot of guys have just stepped up. Guys, you know, that's kind of how we how we roll in the BYU defense. Uh, it's the next man up mentality. The coaches do a great job at, you know, helping guys kind of step into those roles and, and uh, you know, really, really just proud of the guys that have stepped up um, in, in Keenan's absence. I think, you know, obviously it is felt, but um, just just really proud of the guys for stepping up. It's not bad when you have a walk-on middle linebacker like Ben Bywater doing work. He's He's been tremendous in the middle there making plays. On Friday, uh, getting ready for the game broadcast, we talked to some of the coaches. And Elias Tuyaki, I asked him about kind of these line changes, almost like hockey, right? You're having like the whole D-line and the yeah. whole linebackers coming in. It's kind of unique. He said he started that at Utah. And then I asked him kind of what the motivation <laughs> is there. And he said 
that he would rather have a backup at 100% if the starter's at 80% in terms of fatigue. Can you kind of walk us through what it was like as a player to manage that? Because at first you kind of want continuity, but then you realize, well, logistically, you have a fresh body out there. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something um, that's that's sort of unique to BYU is kind of that line, those line changes. Um, and, and as a player, you know, sometimes it can be frustrating because you want to get into a groove. But then, you know, as I matured, I realized that the backups are just as prepared um, and just as, as capable and able as the starters. And so, you know, it, it takes some humbling and just kind of that's kind of the part, the buy in part is you've got to be able to trust people. Uh, and trust your backups and, and trust the guys rotating in um, that they're going to play hard and, and that they deserve, you know, an, an opportunity and a shot and um, that they're going to make plays too. So I think it's, I think we've proved that, you know, the backups can make plays, you know, we saw Drew Jensen in there, um, you know, snagging a pick and getting himself his hands on the ball, which is awesome. And so um, definitely I'm a fan of kind of, you know, letting guys get in and fresh bodies get in to make some plays. And then going into the Big 12, obviously, uh, you know, Kalani Stake said when he started here, he saw the Power 5 stacked up at the beginning and thought, oh, I can't just start these 11 guys and have them in game 12. It's just not going to happen. They're going to get injured a little more than, say, you know, the previous schedules that maybe BYU had played. So going into the Big 12, BYU probably needs three deep. Kalani Stake told Dave McCann two weeks ago, hey, I need 123 starters. So what kind of depth is reason, uh, you know, reasonable to think and expect that BYU can get going into the Big 12? Yeah, I agree with Klein. I think, um, you know, you got to have two or three guys ready to go. Um, and, and, you know, Kalani, he's, he's all business. So if there's if a guy's not playing well uh, and someone's hot, then, you know, he'll put him in and he doesn't care if you're a walk-on, um, if you're a transfer or where you're from. You know, if you can come in and produce and make plays and, and do your job, um, I think he's proven that you'll get on the field. So, um, you know, I definitely do think going into the Big 12, there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, you know, speed and physicality are a big part of that um, conference. And so I think, you know, we're, we're going to need to get 123 guys um, who, who are going to be able to play special teams, offense, defense, all three phases um, need to be ready to go. Isaiah Kafusi, former BYU linebacker, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Just a season ago, you lived the life in the college football playoff poll. BYU entered at number 14. You were undefeated. The spotlight was really bright, and here we are again. BYU number 15 right now. We'll see where they are tonight. But how much do the players, now that you're graduated and that you've moved on, you can really you can let down the wall, you can tell us, how much do the players really pay attention to the rankings? Um, I wouldn't say it's everything. Um, obviously we do pay attention and, you know, the last few years, I guess, um, we've been kind of in the limelight. And so it's been nice to, you know, something that we haven't really been used to is, is being ranked and being talked about. And so I definitely think that that that's something that is, um, fun for the players to think about, you know, we're ranked and we're getting all this attention. And so, um, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's, um, all that the players are talking about, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, have goals and, and the players have goals and the team has goals, you know? And so I think, um, you know, there, there's other conversations around those goals. And so it's definitely fun though, to be ranked and to, you know, just be talked about. I mean, analysts and, and, uh, you know, 
people are, are really talking highly about BYU. And so it's always fun to see that and, and see us, you know, the recognition and uh, the hard work that we've put in, you know, be recognized. I think that's nice. Have you thought about what it would have been like to play on this team or are you content with your life? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm content. I'm very, I'm very content. I'm really happy with um, where I'm at and, um, obviously you know miss it and miss you know football and miss the guys and the coaches and just the staff but you know I, i've made the decision and, and i'm really happy with where i'm at i've, I've got a beautiful wife and a, a loving son um that keep me busy and uh you know I, i've done the best um up to this point i've given it my all done everything that i could have um laid it all out there and you know i, I feel good at work with where i'm at What's next for you in your football career or your professional career for that matter? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I still kind of just training and staying ready, you know, had a great preseason. And so got some good film out there and just, um, you know, staying ready. But, you know, I, I know that there's Kalani's always trying to recruit me to come coach and um, would definitely love to, to look into that and um, definitely would be a passion of mine. Mm. And so, um yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We're just kind of taking it day by day, and I'm just enjoying some family time for now. I remember one game you coached. Do you remember that game? Oh, my goodness. He's bringing it up again, Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That was a great run. But, you know, I'm still I'm still, I'm, I still am mad about that. I know you are, dude. You know, when you look at me, I'm like, he's still thinking about it. Shoot. And I keep bringing it up. Yeah. Jaron yeah. breaks Every day. Isaiah's Every flag day. football dreams. <sighs> Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary. Hey, we were the underdogs, though. We were underdogs. I mean, the fact that we made it to the championship game. Make yourself feel was, better. That yep. was fun. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no, was no one talks right, about right, Hail right. Mary defense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Isaiah. Hey, kudos uh, to you. That was, hey, that was a heads-up play. I, I pulled the flag like a foot short. Would, would be Hail Mary win for Isaiah's Woo! coach team. It, it just I got lucky. You know what? I was well coached. <laughs> we prepared well. We'd gone over that that week. I love it. <laughs> and I got Jeremy athlete speak. Isaiah, it's great to talk with you, man. Uh, we wish you the best in whatever your endeavors include. If that's coaching football, BYU. Yeah, come awesome. back, dude. I would, we'd still hang out. It'd be great. Playing in the NFL, that's cool too. But uh, we appreciate your time regardless. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always good to come back, talk to you guys, and talk football. You bet. Isaiah Kafusi, former BYU linebacker with us on BYU he, Sports Nation. He's going to overcome that moment, right? Like, he's still dwelling on it a little bit when I bring it up. But, like, I think he'll overcome that. I really do. I would love to ha- – I'm kidding. I would love to – He off his back when he's coaching his son's flag football team. <laughs> he's like, oh, my gosh. I would love to have him as a GA here. Oh, that'd be great. Coach Kafusi. Can we please do that? Coach Isaiah Kafusi. I'd love that. Did that not just resonate with you when he said that? Yeah, like it did. It did. I, was like, I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Big time matchup tonight in the Marriott Center. Jeff Goodman tweeted this morning his top five games of the day and BYU San Diego State coming in at number two. How about that? Live on BYU TV and, of course, BYU Radio. This rivalry runs deep, Tyler. This goes back a long time, these two teams. Some good ball has been played. 
Let's think about what this game means in context of the whole season. Does BYU need to beat San Diego State tonight if it wants to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament? I believe so. I mean, every game is so important, but this is a big opportunity against a really good team that, I mean, we don't know how good San Diego State is, but... That they're, they're last year, last year that was BYU's biggest win, yep. right? And yep. so, and they're playing some good teams, and so um, the, these are the wins that you want to get early, and then you cheer for these teams as the season goes on. Let's talk about uh, kind of how it works with the NCAA tournament committee. So, there's a net ranking that's the sorting tool. Um, uh, that's a Google analytic formula, uh, you know, algorithm to figure all that out. They also figure out how you, uh, you know, what you want to watch on Netflix too. They're telling me Seinfeld right now. I should watch more Seinfeld. Um, and then they break it down into different quadrants. So for a home game, a team has to be in the top 30 of net to be a quad one. We're almost there. Right. And, and, and when it really, it's about when the dust settles, what is that number going into selection Sunday? Okay. Right. Um, but we will evaluate at that as we go. Last year, San Diego state was 26 and that was a road game. That was top 75. In that case, that was a quad one. That was BYU's best win against uh, anyone ranked that high. Right. BYU went three and five in the quad in quad ones. We've learned from Tom Homo, who was on the selection committee for three years, that in this quad system, you need to play enough quad games and win, probably in BYU's case, about a third of them. BYU went three and five, so a little better than a third last year. That was enough to not just get an NCAA tournament bid, but a single-digit seed as a sixth seed, which is pretty crazy. Mm. I'm not uh, convinced that BYU has to win this particular game because BYU can make it up later. It's so early. But when you think about... What are the most losable games on the schedule? Mm-hmm. I'd probably pencil in Oregon next Tuesday as the most lo- – well, Gonzaga right. twice. But right. Oregon there, if you win one of those, you can atone for the sins of a bad loss, right? So I'm not sure BYU has to do it. But take care of business at home. Mm-hmm. It's in the Marriott Center. In 2019, BYU did not. Now, remember, that was a team without Yoli Childs. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that in his bogus nine-game suspension from the NCAA. Yeah, ridiculous. That was stupid, right? I think BYU does need to take care of business at home, though, tonight. And BYU's a, a motivated, excited team. Not having Richard Harward is a big deal, though, because San Diego State always comes in with length and athleticism. That's right. going to be a tougher draw for the other guys. But Caleb Lohner and Gideon George and Foose and these guys, I, I think they're ready. And they won in Viejas last year. Right. Now, this is a team that BYU is very familiar with, um, even even though they don't play him twice a year. I mean, we played him the last couple of years, and yeah, it it, it hurts having uh, Richard Harward out. Guys are going to have to step up, but this is a deep team, and guys are ready to step up. BYU has the talent uh, in, in Foose and Atiki and uh, you know, Seneca Knight can play the four a little bit. I mean, the length and athleticism, I, I believe, is there this year to, to match up against the San Diego State. And so, uh, really excited for this one. And then we saw some of the highlights a moment ago, but there were some really clutch threes in this game. Alex Parcello picks up a ball that rolls out to him, makes a three at the shot clock. Brandon Averett makes the game winner, the game sealer, perhaps, yeah. late in that yeah, game. It was tough. It was huge, right? So, T. John Lucas has got to have a a much better game than he had on Tuesday. Atiki Ali Atiki, you brought him up. He didn't play a second on Tuesday. I believe he will play tonight mm-hmm. because BYU does need his athleticism. And then Foose is going to get some minutes, of course, played the majority of the minutes uh, right. at the five, which right. is, if you had said a couple months ago, hey, <laughs> Foose, uh, Fuseni, Trey, Trey uh, 
Treore is going to play 24 minutes in the season opener and have a five, eight, and three blocks. I go, wow. Yeah, I know. That's better than I thought, man. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I'm, I mean, he's a guy that we, we've talked about this. He, you feel comfortable with him on the court. I mean, he which takes, is really interesting. As a freshman, he he has a high basketball IQ. Yeah, and Wasatch Academy. Yeah, knows how to play. Doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, and and just mixes it up inside against a lot bigger guys. I mean, we saw him go up against six eight three oh five at Cleveland State, and and he just moved him out of the way. They gave called him a an shoulder. offensive foul on the shoulder. <laughs> I which know, I was we like, loved it though. He's too strong. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. So Vegas says this is a a, a three point BYU win. Ken Palm says this is a two point BYU win. So this is expected to be a tight game. When you look at the other good games on the schedule as well, let's highlight some of those. Potential quad ones in my mind, looking ahead. Oregon, Missouri State, again, because that's top 75, possibly true road game, that's quad one possibility. Gonzaga, of course, twice. San Francisco on the road. St. Mary's on the road. Hopefully St. Mary's is good this year. If they're top 30, that would be mean the home game is there. This is probably a quad two game. If San Diego State's between 31 and 75, that's probably where it lands. Hopefully San Diego State's top 30, and this is a quad one game. And again, you don't even have to win all the quad. Like, basketball is different than football. Mm-hmm. Football, it's like you got to have zero or one loss to be in the mix for something. Mm-hmm. If you have two losses, you're in the conversation, but you're not. I mean, that's the debate right now is, is BYU New Year's Six Canada. I, I don't believe they are with two losses. In basketball, again, you just need to win like a third of these quad ones. You need to play enough and then win probably a third. So tonight's a big game, but like the bigger games, Oregon, Honestly, on the resume, like a Missouri State might be a bigger game than San Diego State. That's like weird to say out loud. Weird. You're like Missouri State. I can't even name the the mascot. I don't I don't know who they are. <laughs> but but let's go. Last year BYU did uh, well enough to earn a six. Can they take care of business at home? Two years ago, San Diego State won this game. The road game has won the last. Uh, road team has won the last two years. What by the way, what's it like to play San Diego State? You played them three times. They've always been really good. They get up for the game. BYU gets up for the game. Yeah, I mean, the games that I played in, really, really physical, um, you know, high, high-paced games and uh, lots of shots from everywhere. Wow, we got some highlights. Oh, highlights. we got Tyler Hawes highlights from the Maui Invite. Catch and shoot. Yep. Uh, Did we show any I, misses or it's just all makes? All makes. Come on, Jeremy. <laughs> Finishing over length right there. Yeah. Come on. Those are contested shots, bro. They are you tough had to, shots. Yep. No, they're they're a good. They're all they always have athletes. Good athletic team. Um, but I mean, if you if you play on attack and and find a way to to put the pressure on them, right? Because they 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 want to come out and pressure you. Oh. Uh, go right at them, man. Look at you in the post right there. Curled to the baseline. Help came. He still got it up and over. Uh, that was a fun game to play in. Holy cow! Maui yep. Invitational. It was awesome. What. What's the Maui invite like, by the way? Because those are always huge games. And it's like on ESPN, it's like the A-level crew. Yeah. Jay Billis is hanging out there. Yeah. You, you can feel it's such a small gym. and At the Chaminade, gym, right? Chaminade, yep. Right there in Maui. And, and it is so hot. <laughs> like you, That's what everyone you, says. You walk in like and you're already sweating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's so fun. Yeah, Jay Billis. I mean, you can feel the energy and, and hype surrounding that tournament right, right when you get there. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, Tim Lacombe gave me one of his Maui invite shirts. I think from that tournament. Probably. I need to wear it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Momentum off the field's awesome. Right now, the Cougars are crushing it in recruiting, as we just highlighted in some of the Olympic sports. Last week, we highlighted the signing of Kingsley Suamataia, former five-star lineman out of Orem who went to Oregon, played a game. He's coming to be a Coug. He's got four years to play starting next season. Then yesterday, four-star, ESPN number 28 overall recruit, Colin Chandler signs with BYU. Men's basketball, going to go on a mission first, come back, play in the Big 12. Blaine. Does this recruiting boon that BYU has has uh, you know done even better at the last couple of weeks? Is this more about the coaches, the programs, the school, the Big Twelve? What is it? It it really is a combination that's been building over the last couple of years of, of all of those things. And that you know what's interesting is I think that momentum in football and basketball also carry over to other sports. I was talking to um, our, our baseball staff the other day, and they were just saying, hey, when you bring recruits on campus, they can feel the buzz about sports and about the culture and about the environment, and then they feel comfortable on campus. And so it, it really is this. It, it starts with the coach creating a culture that – when you bring players on campus and they see that culture and, and the players that are coming out now, they want a family culture. And, and you look at every sport across the board in the recruiting, all of these coaches have created this family culture um, within the teams. And so now the players that are currently on the team go, oh, you got to come join us. You got to come join us. We got this phenomenal culture. We love it. We love the coaches. We love each other. This is where you got to be. So it starts with that. Then that culture has to translate to winning. And you look at the two really visible sports in football and basketball and what they've done the last couple years, culture translated to wins and national exposure. Now everybody's going, whoa, but I can go be part of a family environment and win games and have national exposure. And then there was just one thing that was holding them back. Teams in the P5 conference are saying, yeah, but you're not going to be in a P5 conference. You can't play, you know, you can't be as visible when you're not in a P5. You're not going to play against the best competition in the world. So now all of a sudden, Big 12? I mean, that, that's what just took BYU over the hump. That was the yep. last piece needed to be able to get them over the hump. And now we're seeing just left and right top recruits all from around the country coming and joining up with BYU in all sports. It's really fun. You're right. It is a combination. And BYU's always been a place that has been able to, to get good recruits. Think about the signing classes that BYU gets relative to the rankings. BYU overachieves constantly. Okay, is BYU in cross country? Maybe they are top five in recruiting. I don't know, but BYU is a top five program. Is BYU a top twenty recruiting uh, team in football? No, it's not even close, right? Yet BYU's in the top twenty-five these last two years, so BYU's overachieving. Why? Because of the coaches, because of the culture, because of the unique place that is BYU. It's not for everyone, but it's for a lot of people. Like. If you want to be here, you can absolutely be here. And BYU is attracting not only some of the best talent who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that have gone other places and are now coming back. Let's talk about Oregon. Let's talk about Stanford. Let's talk about uh, you know B- uh, Utah and Washington. They're coming home, which is great. They don't. You don't. Not everyone has to come here. I, if you're a member of the church, you want to go somewhere else. You're not doing anything wrong if you don't come to BYU. Sometimes we act like that. Let's not act like that. But the kids that want to be here, they're coming because it's awesome and you can win. Like some kids just want to be at BYU, period, whether BYU is good or not. But you accentuate what you talked about. Winning. Uh, Football, top 25 last two years. Basketball, top 25 last two years. Women's sports right now, crushing it. Doing so good. Baseball, on the rise, doing things. It's such an exciting time right now because BYU has been completely validated 
in getting that Big 12 invite and BYU's winning, oh, it's the best thing ever. Uh, honestly, I expected the rapture to happen, the second coming, the Sunday after the, the BYU-Utah game. I thought, how can it get better than this? But it is getting better. BYU's signing guys that will come in and play. Kingsley next year, Colin in three years. This is just the beginning. If you think this is fun, buckle up, as Craig Bolajek likes to say. Oh, and it's, and I think part of school, you know, when we say the school and the culture, is, is the fan base as well. And we don't talk about that enough. So the, any recruit that went to the Arizona State football game and was in that stadium and just, first of all, if they're sitting next to somebody, another recruit, they would have had to scream in each other's faces to even hear one another. It was so off the charts loud in there. To see that student section and the way they get involved and the way they impacted the game. And then, hey, turn around and, uh, and go to the basketball game uh, just the other night against Cleveland State. This is a preseason non-conference game. Now, mind you, a very good opponent in Cleveland State. The, the environment was incredible. Show up for a Gonzaga game if you're a recruit, or maybe even to, tomorrow night for that San Diego State game. Or Show just tomorrow night. How bring, about, bring some shoes what, for what, Gideon. What's tonight? Women's volleyball tonight? Women's volleyball. You go to, go to women's volleyball and check out the environment. So if you've got a recruit in any other sport and you show up in that, at that women's volleyball um, match tonight or a men's volleyball match next semester and you're going to go, whoa, this, the environment for every sporting yes. event on this campus is off the charts. I love it. I, it's infectious. It's, it's, it energizes you. And so these schools, I mean, these, these teams, they benefit from one another. And so when one gets it rolling and then two gets it rolling and then three get it rolling, then, then it's a giant steamroller and everybody wants to come be a part of that. The, the other thing that I, I love, Colin Chandler listed the reasons he came. He's put a tweet out saying why he's he one of the most well-spoken eighteen-year-olds I've ever seen. Oh, and phenomenal! Then, I gave him a tour a couple weeks ago. Family was looking. Yep. He was the best listener and uh, asker of questions I've ever given. I've probably given uh, you know five hundred tours to different athletes, whatever. He was the best at going. Oh, tell me about this. What's well, this? Like very in the moment. Most of the time, they're just kind of looking around and disinterested. He was great. He knew what he was looking for. Yes. And he evaluated like a very objective evaluation of what he was looking for. And he listed several things. He listed a lot of things. His family, I believe, I've been told, has like a a Utah logo in or on the outside of the garage. Like very big season tickets to Utah. But And I love that his parents were like, let's do it. We've, we've been Utes our whole life. Let's, let's be objective. What are the things that we want? Yes. And a lot of things we've been talking about, they had on that list. But something we didn't talk about was um, development, player development. And you alluded to it with they're not getting the top recruiting class, yet they're top-ranked teams. How's this happening, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he pointed out that this coaching staff, and he talked about Pope and Robinson and, and, and Burgess and Fuger, and he's like, they really have a reputation for developing players. I'm coming to get better. Yes. You know, he knows in his mind he wants to play at the next level. And guess what, folks? This guy has the talent to play at the next if level. If you're top 30, and, you and I'm can And I'm be not an talking NBA in guy. Europe. I'm talking NBA talent level yes. for, for him. Yes. Now, to be in the NBA from being a phenomenal top recruit in high school here to here is a long road. But the basic skill set, my goodness, he is really, really talented and skilled. And he says, I'm coming here because this coaching staff, I believe in this coaching staff, that they will develop me and prepare me to do what I want to do. That's a big deal, too. 100%. Let's talk about the, the greatest developed uh, player at BYU, perhaps, the last couple of years. You could argue Dax Milne. You could argue Zach Wilson. I would argue Alex Barcelo. Big-time recruit coming out of Arizona. What does he do at Arizona? He's a two- and three-point-a-game scorer. Now he's one of the best players in the country. He's a top 30 player in NCAA basketball. That's one. And then oftentimes when you win, you, you uh, 
show up at the school and you want to play for that program and you just tolerate the coach because you want to win and you want to be with those players and go to the next level. That is not the case of BYU. You don't just tolerate Kalani Sataki and Mark Pope. They become one of your best friends for life and they influence you in this way. The loving nature, the player coach that is Kalani Sitake, the player coach that is Mark Pope. It was so fun to see them on Monday together. And Hema Heimuli, who works here, one of our producers, put out this clip where they're laughing together and Mark Pope high-fives Kalani. And it's like, that's what BYU sports is right now. That three-second clip. The excitement, the energy, the love, the development. Like right now, BYU is just cruising on the on the Power 5 on-ramp to the freeway at such a fast speed with so much energy and juice, it's just very exciting. It, it, it's it's so funny too. You watch cu- culture and teaching is a, is an art, right? And so I witnessed the very same method from Kalani and from Mark in the last two weeks. So I was at practice for football, and I watched Kalani pull a guy over, and he kind of got into him. He was like right in his face, was very stern, was making some type of correction with him. I wasn't close enough to hear, but this was a serious conversation. And you could see the player sitting there. He's like, yep, I know, coach. Yes, coach. Yes, I know. I know. And then then at the end, he wrapped his arm around his head, and he kind of hit him on the helmet, and he goes, and, and then I was, and then loudly says, you're a phenomenal player. Let's go. Like, I love you, man. Let's go. So he corrected him very seriously and objectively, and then he loved him up, right? So now let's fast forward to the other day at practice for basketball practice, so at practice and Mark Pope pulls uh, uh, Tijon Lucas over, and he like literally gets right in Tijon's face for a minute. And he talks to him, and Tijon very respectfully, yes, coach, no, I know, I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. I've got to do this. And and then at the end of it, Mark puts his arm around Tijon's neck, and he, and he gives him a little uh, pat on the chest, and he says, you're a great player, let's go, love you, man, and he, and he sends him back out. I witnessed that from Kalani Sataki, about a week ago in football practice, I witnessed the exact same method from, from Mark Pope in basketball practice. Guys love that. They, they want to be coached by somebody that will correct them mm-hmm. and teach them, yep. but they also know loves them and has their back. And those are two great examples. That's why guys want to be here. They want to be coached like that. It's going well right now. It really is. Our question of the day, BYU signing big-name recruits in football and basketball, and I would add all the, all the sports, Every, right? Hey, track and field. <laughs> Literally My all goodness. the sports. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time we make our 2021-2022 season basketball projections, Jerem, led off by who's going to get the most buckets for BYU basketball. So points per game, we're saying. Uh, Alex Barcelo, last year he was 16.1. I think he goes up to 17.3 this year. A little more, second senior year, fifth year in college hoops. Um, I think Tijon Lucas will find him a little more than Brandon Averett did. And, uh, yeah, 17.3, man. Okay. I also like Alex Barcelo. and uh, I like him, too. Truth be told, I did not see what you had projected. I went with 17.7. So a a little bit over that. Nice. But? Two white dudes from Utah thinking the same. (laughs) Okay, who will be the Cougars' leading rebounder? Caleb Lohner is going to be the guy. Amen. He'll have several occasions where he's in double figures rebounding. Uh, I said eight and a half a game. I go 7.9. Yeah, I, I, we're along the same lines. So Mine's he, probably a little bit aggressive there. He should – no, I think that's good. I think it's good. We're only .6 difference. Um, he, he's the best rebounder on the team. And, you know, we're, we're still waiting to see, like, hey, is Richard Harward, like, is he is good he okay? after last yeah. Thursday? Um, the, the exhibition. Hopefully he is. But no one rebounds better than Caleb Lohner. 
What would how would that sound from Bill Walton again? There has never been a greater rebounder in the history of college basketball in the state of Utah it than one Caleb Loner and Tom Chambers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. From rebounding and uh, points per game to three-point shots. 3YU was a thing at BYU a couple of years ago. Yeah, I led the nation, man. Who's going to lead the team in three-point makes? I think uh, the Russian Alexi Barcelo will do it. It's I, hard I go, to go away from Alex. It is. I'm going to go 59. I increased him number, his number from 53 makes from okay. last year. BYU's going to play a handful more games, right? They had two weeks yeah. delayed because of COVID last year um, for no good reason. They could have played if they wanted. Um, yeah, 50, 59. I think he'll make a few more. Uh, same ideology based on the fact that BYU is not going to have to miss games because of COVID-19. We hope not anyway. Right, that they will play no the, entirety, no, the entirety no, no of the schedule. And uh, I see Alex making between two and three a game, so I went with 65 overall. Nice. 65 makes. Okay. Who will lead the team in three-point percentage? We finally have a different person on this one. I went off the board a little bit here. Who did you have? Alex. 46%, which is really high, but he's been so good. Yeah. He's been shooting like 50% from the three-point line. Last year was 47.7. Okay. So you think he's going to have a down year. Crazy. Um, Just kidding. Trevin <laughs> Nell, and I go right at 45, which is what he was last year. He was 45.3. I don't think people realize Trevin Nell shot 45% from three last year. 45%? I mean, dude dude needs to shoot more. That's what I say. Well, you, you he shot he... a shot in the offseason, got married. And uh, here we are. You say you went off the board? I, I, that, hey, listen. Off the might... board meaning not Alex. Yeah. That's what I mean by that. Trevin, Trevin might shoot 50% from the three-point line he, this he year. Might. His coaches think that he's he fully might, capable yeah. of doing that. Yeah. All right. One of our favorite categories. Who's going to lead this BYU basketball team in fouls? Listen, this is going to be awesome. Uh, last year it was Caleb Lohner. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Caleb Lohner is going to have 67 oh, fouls this year. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm going with our boy. Richard Harward. It's a good guess. He's okay, Richard Harward, More 71 PT. fouls yeah. for Richard Harward. More PT. Yeah, who, who will lead in disqualifications? I mean, <laughs> you fell out. You know, probably one the of those. The Nate Austin guys. Award. The Nate Austin Award, yep, right. Yep. What will BYU's final regular season record be? This is the question of quite well, the question of questions is NCAA tournament. And okay. CD, but what's the record going to be in 31 games? Uh, 25 and 6. 25 and yeah, 6 let me is get my, nice, Let me get my dude. blue goggles out, right? Do you think that's blue goggled? Well, maybe tell me not, the I, tell me the losses right now okay, on the schedule. So maybe Oregon, right? I, I think if you had to pencil in losses, San Diego State is a question mark. At or, Utah's or, tough, th- tough, but that's going to be think a win. That's a win, right? Um, Creighton, I would pen- like if I had two pencil in losses. Maybe South Creighton, Dakota, right? Yeah, Creighton, yep. Maybe one at the Diamond Head. Okay, there's what three or so four? There are three in the non. And then in league, you just pencil in Gonzaga. If you win that, that's amazing, right? Right. If you win that, that's amazing. So there's there's your six, right? Yes, and I, th- I think that that's because Ken Palm says BYU is going to win 20 or 21 games because he has San Francisco so high oh, in the ratings. Oh, San Francisco is <laughs> right? so great. We've, what has San Francisco times, done besides Bill Russell? How many times have we seen this Bill from Cartwright. San Francisco? Yeah. Like, oh, they're really good. They, they might, they might what be are the they second gonna best do? team in the West Coast they, Conference. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 98, Kenneth. What yeah. are they, they don't even make the NIT. 25 and Come 6. Come on, man. This BYU team is fully capable yeah. of only losing two games in the non-conference and then four in conference if they lose three non-con. Four in conference? Yeah. Whoa. If they go two losses non-con but four in conference, something bad happened. You think? Yes. Because to me, yeah. We I don't, mean, there's always a St. weird Mary's game is the at question. Pepperdine at There San wasn't Francisco. last year. 
Under under Mark Pope, there's they lost they lost that Pepperdine. Pepperdine was one twelve. That okay. was a quad so that two. Doesn't qualify that, as a weird loss. Weird to me is quad three four. Okay. Or or okay. I I could see the argument from Cougar fans saying anything but St. Mary's Gonzaga is a weird loss. I would argue no. There's one allowed a year where it's weird. Meaning, it's what one of those other teams like. If BYU loses a quad three or four, that's terrible. Yeah, that so means Pepperdine rough. at home. That means Portland anytime. Okay. Right. Like that's bad. So. Yeah, the committee th- didn't look at Pepperdine as a as bad a weird loss, loss or okay. bad loss. So maybe yeah. what if BYU loses at San Francisco? That's not a bad loss. And then they lose to St. Mary's once and lose to Gonzaga twice. There are four conference losses. There are four. But if they went two non-con losses only, that's pretty good. Yeah, that absolutely. BYU would be 13-2 and two and probably like 22nd in the country. Or this, something, right? I feel like this team's loaded. I feel like they're loaded. I feel like they're similar to last year, and I have questions. I have questions. Like – is T. John Lucas going to be better than Brandon Averett? I think he will be. Will the combination of Richard Harward and Gavin Baxter be better than Matt Harms? Okay. I'm not sure yet. Like, I need to see that part. That's my biggest question mark is because the moment Richard Harwood went out, that was trouble for BYU. BYU was not deep at that particular position on the court. Okay. I say 24 and 7. I just have one more loss there. I'm thinking 11 and 4 non con, okay. 13 and 3 conference. That's All right. Yeah, and I essentially said uh, thirteen or sorry, twelve and three in non-con and thirteen and three in conference, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. let's let's go, man. Let's go. Let's get it done. How many Saint Zaga wins will be involved in BYU's either twenty-four overall or, if you're me, twenty-five total wins? Well, we're including the uh, WCC tournament in this Correct. projection. Um, okay, for those new to the program, welcome. First off, mm-hmm. all visitors, welcome. Uh, and. Uh, we call St. Mary's and Gonzaga St. Zaga. We've just combined the names. We don't like saying three words. We only like saying two. So I say three. I think I think BYU gets St. Yes. Mary's twice, and then probably St. Mary's again in the WCC tournament. Maybe would, Gonzaga once. I would love to have one Gonzaga in there somewhere. I don't expect it. When it happens, it's a awesome surprise. Maybe Gonzaga once. Okay. Next question. What now, did you think? Uh, I'm going to three. three. Exactly okay. the same. Okay. Yeah. I, whether it's a combination of two against St. Mary's and one against Gonzaga. Uh, maybe so. So what my thinking was: okay, BYU gets St. Mary's at least once in the regular season. They face them again in the tournament in that two-three game, and then BYU gets mm-hmm. another shot at Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference title game. Yeah. Okay. So three total. All right. How many non-St. Zaga losses will BYU suffer? In in WCC in w- play, uh, one, just one other one. San Fran, Pep. I don't know. Not going to be Pep. Pep's not as good. Yeah. See, in the last two, two, so Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards are gone. So the more that I think about this, I put down two, but I don't know the BYU can can afford two non Saint Zaga losses if, they're if going they want 20, to go twenty five and six. Right. Right. I bet it's one. But typically, other than last year, BYU has had a couple of these losses every season. Did they win two years ago? I don't think they did. Right. I think they they came away pretty unscathed two years ago. Okay. I I think under Mark Pope things are different. I do. It's it's not the same. So I don't maybe think it's one. The same. So have we like? I think okay, one. I think one is fair. One. I know Cougar fans don't want a single. That we're better than everybody. One basketball game. One basketball game. You can You play three times as many as football. Okay. One weird. Loss. Okay, you've convinced me. The mark one. In fact, I'm going to amend that. One. I'm okay. going to amend it. Okay. One non-saint. Well, wait, that's loss, a draw. Okay? We just delete that question. <laughs> <laughs> It's over. If they have two, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, I knew they lose another one. All right. Jerem, on to the net ranking. Yeah. Uh, which is like 17 million times better than the RPI. 
feel bad for all the other sports I have to deal with RPI still. What will BYU's best win be by net ranking? I go 23. Last year was 18, by the way, San Diego State. That was a great win on the road. I'll go 23. I'm not sure who. I'm not sure when. Yeah, maybe, I, it's Saint Ma- maybe it's St. Mary's who has a great year. Maybe it's Creighton or something. Oregon. Sure. For no rhyme or reason other than I love the number 21, I went with 21. <laughs> now, if one of us had said one, that would have meant, we, meant we thought they'd be a gun <laughs> ah, Should one of us be that Just brash? Should we one? throw on the blue goggles and put down number one? <sighs> Listen, I, I'm in the – if BYU does that, I, I'll, be, uh, I'll be so happy. I'm not going to expect it per se, but if it happens, it'll be great. What will be BYU's worst net ranking loss? Uh, 100 even. And okay. I think it's probably going to be whoever the non-St. Zaga. Well, maybe not. See, San Francisco, we'll see what they are. Maybe San Francisco's not as great as everybody thinks they are, and they drop down to, like, in the 90s. Or LM, maybe it's LMU. We'll okay. see. I say 120. The worst was 110 to Pepperdine last year. Okay. Highest ranking in the AP poll during the season. 21. I love that. I, I'm going with 23. Okay, and NCAA tourney seed? Six seed, okay. third year in I'd a row. I'd say seven. seven. Third year in a row. They're 25 uh, and six. They should be a six seed. Depends on what the wins are. <laughs> and the losses, right? Maybe yeah. maybe I should change my best win by net ranking to number one, and then they'll be a six seed. <laughs> then they'll be a five. BYU football beats Idaho State by 45 points to 15th-ranked Cougars. Jump up to number 14 in the AP poll. They're number 15 in the coaches poll. We'll wait and see what happens tomorrow. They're number 15 right now in the college football playoff rankings. Everything that happened over the weekend, four teams above BYU losing in the college football playoff poll. BYU, of course, taking care of business. And the two of the three teams right behind the Cougars also lost, Jason. So did enough happen with all of those details that results in a BYU jump of any magnitude in the college football playoff poll tomorrow night. Yeah, and I'm glad you said of any magnitude, because right now we just don't know what type of jump to expect. But yes, because there were losses ahead of BYU, some directly in front of BYU, I expect BYU to move up at least a spot. Getting two spots would be great. I think, however, unfortunately for the Cougars, I I think – their ceiling is going to be determined by how far Baylor drops. Obviously, they both have two losses. One of BYU's losses was to Baylor. So I I just don't see any scenario in which the college football committee would put BYU ahead of Baylor right now. So that's really the, the biggest question for me is where does Baylor drop? They were 12. Ended up losing to TCU. We obviously everybody was following those, following all of the games ahead of BYU. Yeah. That was certainly one I was following closely because you know you're wanting all these teams ahead of the Cougars to lose. But when you look at that game, it's like, yeah, but probably not that one because BYU. Let's be honest, got in at number 15 not just because of the strength of their schedule, but because one of their losses was to a really really good Baylor team. You want Baylor to stay in the committee's eyes, one of those upper echelon teams. So right now, I, I think that's really the biggest question we're, we're waiting on is to see where they fall because I just can't see BYU leapfrogging them when they both have the same record and the Bears have the head-to-head matchup. So right now I'm expecting at least uh, a one-spot jump, which is good. Just keep climbing. Sure. Baylor and BYU have the same number of losses, but you have to give the advantage based on what the committee told us last week with the Oregon and Ohio State result, Oregon winning at the horseshoe early in the season, that they value the head-to-head results. 
And so Oregon ended up above Ohio State. BYU loses at Baylor. How far do the Bears drop? I think it's one spot, probably, given everything that happened around them. You think they dropped to 13? And BYU jumps up to number 14 because they have the same number of losses. What does the committee do with Wake Forest, the number nine team? They lose against North Carolina in a shootout. Apparently there's no defense in the ACC at all. (laughs) 58-55 that game. We saw what happened between BYU and Virginia. But maybe Wake Forest drops down to number 12 from number 9. How much are they going to be penalized for losing on the road against North Carolina in a wild shootout for their first loss? And then there's Michigan State, who beat Michigan. How do they handle that situation? Because it's head-to-head again. Michigan has one loss. Michigan State has one loss. But Michigan State beat Michigan head-to-head in East Lansing. So even though Michigan State lost to Purdue, do they fall below Michigan? Like There are a number of those scenarios playing out right now. Does the committee stay true to what happens on the field with teams that have the same number of losses when it comes down to a head-to-head? See, this is what I think is going to happen, and I agree with you on the 13 and the 14 with BYU. I think, I think you're going to have Wake Forest drop to 12. Okay. I think you're going to have – or excuse me, to 11. 11. Excuse me. Uh, goes all the way to 11. You're going to have Texas A&M up to 12. Okay. Baylor at 13, BYU at 14. I think that's probably what happens. It is all so fascinating. And I love it. I wish it, that the College Football Playoff poll came out on Monday night. I know. Well, I don't want to wait until Tuesday like, night. It, it really is a shame that Baylor couldn't pull that one out because then I think BYU realistically jumps at least two spots. I think BYU gets an extra spot if Baylor just wins that game. So it 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 stinks that the Baylor loss, and that's the one team of all of them that you sure. didn't want to lose, and unfortunately they did. But, I again, it just caps how far BYU can climb. Had they won, I think BYU gets at least a two-spot jump. Sure, yeah. If Baylor beats TCU, and that TCU loss by Baylor is equivalent to BYU losing to Boise Yeah, State. very similar, yes. It just feels like a, huh? Clearly, Gary Patterson was holding the Horned Frogs back. <laughs> We love Gary. We do love Gary. (laughs) And I'm sad he won't be involved when BYU gets into the Big 12 because he was part of that BYU-TCU rivalry. Story for another day. But yeah, if Baylor wins that game, then BYU probably jumps two spots to number 13. And we do need to point out that given what's happened in the past, if there's a Power 5 team that looks good that is behind BYU, then there is absolutely potential for that team to jump over BYU. Ole Miss... Played kind of a weird close game against Liberty. It was 27-14. It wasn't that close in the first half, but Liberty kind of made it a game in the fourth quarter. So I don't think Ole Miss did enough to jump BYU. But then the two teams right behind Ole Miss, 17-18 and 18 in the poll, Mississippi State and Kentucky, both lost. Yeah. So I don't see a scenario where BYU gets jumped. No, I don't th- see them being leapfrogged. See the Cougars jumping one spot to number 14, behind number 13, Baylor. Wake Forest, number 12. Texas A&M, number 11, and then Oklahoma State probably hits that number 10 spot. But Oklahoma State has to play Oklahoma coming up and probably a Big 12 championship. There's going to be so much chaos that ensues. So by sheer attrition of who has to play each other in these ranked, highly ranked head-to-head matchups, how much will BYU benefit from that over the next three weeks? And the Cougars, of course, on a bye after they beat Idaho State. Yeah, you, you were certainly hoping for a bigger jump, knowing that you don't play a game next week, and so the likelihood that you jump on a bye week is, is pretty slim. Who knows? 
We'll see what happens. But getting the if you I know we keep going back to if Baylor had won, but if you could get the the two spot jump, I think that helps going into a bye week when you, you can't really do much about it. Sure, I'm going to give you three teams to root for this week right now. Right now, Virginia. Everybody needs to be massive Virginia fans against Notre Dame. Then there is. Don't don't say it. Penn State and Michigan. Okay, I'm glad you did. Okay, Michigan at Penn State. Yeah. I'm not going to go there, Jason. Okay, okay. I'm not going there. Just I'm not down. going to that dark place for you. Okay. Okay. Penn State against Michigan. Root for Penn State. Root for Virginia. And then the Oregon State, Oregon Washington State game is interesting because I know fans are like, "Oh, Oregon's not that great. Maybe they should lose." Does Oregon need to beat Washington State to maintain their position for now? so that two Pac-12 teams don't get into the college football or the New Year's Six Bowl games. It's interesting. It's a lot. There's a lot going on with Oregon and their situation. Okay. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. And the winningest coach by percentage in women's volleyball is in the house today. She is Heather Olmstead. Heather, what's up? How's it going? Good morning. It's it, good. Does that ever I, – I, you're very, like, in the moment. You want to win it. You're the, you're the winningest coach in, in the game it's right now. How deal. good was our team last night? Way to deflect. Good job. <laughs> so, Immediate so good. Deflection. Okay. I, in so the, good. In the, so you sweep Pepperdine. Pepperdine's one out in the top 25. I mean, they are really, they are really good. They hit .008. How did you shut them down in that way? Yeah, I thought our coaching staff did a great job with the scouting report. I mean, you know that the National Player of the Week's coming into your house. You get pretty fired up uh, to play her and play their team. And so I thought our team executed the scout really well. And it was a team win. Everybody was involved. People stepped up. We had to have people step up in different roles. And that's the sign of a great team. People stepped up when they were needed and played together for each other. And it was pretty cool. They score, what, seven or eight points in the third? I was flabbergasted by how ordinary BYU made Pepperdine look, but that's part of what you want to do is just keep that pedal going down in the third. Trying to get better every day, and this, this group has embraced that completely, and it it's, starts with the leadership of our team with our seniors. Which there are six, um, and let's talk about them as you host LMU on Senior Day. So we're going to run through the six and uh, have you comment on each. Uh, let's start with the Santa Clara transfer who started at Libero yesterday. Gretchen Ratner. Yeah, How good was Gretchen last night? So fun. Incredible. She played great. Uh, Gretchen brings the energy every day. She comes into the gym and works hard. She's a grinder. She loves she loves the grind of, I'm going to show up to work every day, bring the energy. She exhausts me sometimes. So grateful she's <laughs> a BYU Cougar. And she's so consistent and solid. The team knows that she's going to show up every day and what kind of attitude she's going to have. And that's just something, the re- reliable player like Gretchen, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I'm so happy that I've got to coach her for these past couple months. Her dad, Jeff, played at Gonzaga with John Stockton, fun fact, and was an assistant BYU. So there's a little tie there, transferred in, which is pretty cool. Okay, Kenzie Kerber, right side hitter, uh, Utah transfer. Talk about her. Yeah, Kenzie, what a great career Kenzie has had. And for her to have that incredible career with all those accolades and want to come to BYU and help our team and add value to our team in, in such different ways with her intensity, her fire, her leadership, I, I'm so proud of what she's done and how she's contributed to this team and the selflessness that she has to just join what we're doing. Hey, I want to be a part of it. I'll do whatever you need. And what's unique about Kenzie my relationship with her is uh, it's, it's special 
because number one, the first time she played for me, she didn't have a choice. She had to play for me. 2019 in Japan. USA Collegiate Team in Japan. <laughs> she didn't have a choice. The second time she chose to come to BYU play for me and our coaching staff, that's pretty special. It means a lot. When she became available as a transfer, did you have to double take that there was a possibility that she could come here? Because she, uh, you've added a lot of great pieces and returning pieces, but she, she, it feels like she kind of put this team into a different sphere. Yeah, I think we're just blessed to have someone of her, her intensity, her leadership, her level of play want to join our team because um, we've got a lot of good players on our team and she was willing to do whatever the team needed. So uh, double take, sure, just grateful that she was interested and with her unique uh, story of, of being a convert and wanting to be around you know, BYU and get a different feel. I mean, it, I think it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, it's been very fun. Uh, okay, Whitney Laranis. Yeah, Whitney is, um, showed up every day working hard. And she has continued to get better on the court, off the court. I'm so proud of her growth and development. She supports her teammates in any way she can. And the moments that she's been able to help this team have been incredible to see her growth. Um, I thought she was going to get that ace winner last night. And I, she came off the court. I said, you're going for that ace, weren't you? And she was like, I was fearless, Heather. So I, loved, I love what she means to our team. Um, and she's just an incredible person. Um, super blessed to have Coach Whitney. And, and probably um, understated as a teammate, like you said, because it's not easy to be behind two All-Americans and still be engaged, right? Every day. Every yeah. day you know how she's going to show up. She's so consistent. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen Whitney have a bad day at practice. Mm. Like oh. attitude or execution? Uh, yeah, everything. everything. She's, she is solid. That's great. It's awesome. Okay, Taylor Hefo, uh, product of American Fork High School, et cetera. Uh, talk about her. Yeah, we missed Taylor last night. Um, Taylor's been a huge piece of our success this year in the past four years. I don't know if there's a better player on our team that's fulfilling their role than Taylor Hevo. As a server? As a serving sub, as a, a her relationship with Whitney Bauer these past three years and the support that she's given, it doesn't happen. Mm. It doesn't as happen. As the backup who wants she, to start, certainly. She right? is all in for the team. She mm. definitely wants to play. She works hard every day. She prepares like she's going to play. And she supports Whitney it's pretty special to see their relationship. Um, so, again, what Taylor's done fulfilling her role for this team and embracing it, I mean, there's so much joy when she's out there for her. her she loves her teammates. She supports her teammates. We missed her last night. Yeah, and her, uh, her dad's a lot of fun, too. He's right behind us, and I can hear him yelling and screaming, <laughs> getting excited. He, he's always great. Taylor Ballard-Nixon, who has become the last two years this, this, at times, best player on the court, right? She's amazing. Yeah, and as we get you know, to Taylor and Kennedy, it's, it's um, tough. If you want to see somebody who's an epitome of BYU volleyball and the growth, it's Taylor and Ballard Nixon. To come in your first year, have an injury, and then your second year, the team goes to the Final Four and you don't really play, and then you're a role player your junior year, and then you finally get the role that you want, the growth she's made on the court and off the court – um, and to have two, two years, super senior, to be blessed to have that COVID year, to continue to develop. If you want to see what BYU volleyball players look like when they come in and when they finish, look no further than Taylor Ballard-Nixon. What she's doing is pretty special. Yeah, I'm very proud of her. She's so fun to watch. Just last night, just thumping a bunch of kills. She really so much turned power it on in the third set. Because I said, hey, nice match. She goes, well, in the third set, yeah. She's just trying so hard. And right? she keeps it real. You know, that's one of the special things about Taylor. She knows she keeps it real. She's worked hard to develop who she is as a person on and off the court. So, yeah, that's Taylor. She'll tell you like it is. That's awesome. Okay, last but not least, Kennedy Eschenberg, middle blocker. Yeah, Kennedy's pretty special. Um, 
This is how special Kennedy is. Our biggest competitor in getting Kennedy to commit to our team was our women's basketball team, right? Oh. So we go up against our women's basketball team, and um, she tells me and our staff, I think I'm better in basketball than I am in volleyball. So I want to play volleyball because I want to see how good I can get. What? And that's wow. how special that's Kennedy wild. is. And, and um, it's safe to say that we have seen Kennedy get really good at volleyball. And to have that desire to want to be the best in something that she wasn't super efficient in. She wasn't the best volleyball player. But what we saw in her and her ability, her knack for blocking, uh, her length, um, who she is as a person, which starts from the top down with her parents. And uh, she's the sweetest, hardest working individual. And um, then she met the sweetest guy. And it's just, Zach it's a cool story. Best. And um, yeah, I... Um, to have six years with Kennedy, like, my heart hurts thinking that Kennedy's leaving. It's hard. She joined in year two for you. And here we are in year seven. That's, that's why she's been on this journey with you. Yeah, Kennedy's pretty, pretty cool. special. She's the leader of our team. She's our everything. Um, I can go to her for anything. I can talk to her about anything. And um, she's, she's a pretty special player. And we're going to miss her, but we're going to celebrate her tomorrow. Yes, and the good news is, you know, we've got tomorrow, uh, 3 Eastern on BYU TV, and then we've got, you know, three more regular season games. What we hope is two games in the uh, NCAA tournament at home, and then probably on the road if you keep going, right? Um, okay, LMU tomorrow. Let's talk about a, a less emotional thing here. Um, LMU is a team that was 14-2 and two at one point, has had some injuries, and are trying to climb out of that, but still a threat that you've got to show up for on, on senior day because – you're emotional now. I wonder if you'll be emotional tomorrow because you're, you're intense in the games, right? But it's before. Get a grip, Heather. <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's all good. Feeling things is good. Um, but it's senior day, right? And it's before the match, and you have this match to yeah. play. So how do you navigate those? Yeah, I hope everyone shows up. Um, Cougar Nation and tomorrow at 1, a little early, so yep. to 12.50, so we can celebrate these seniors. And, yeah, the emotions are there um, for how much this senior group has meant to us. It's unique. Again, you got a sixth year, you got a fifth year, you got two four years, and you got two six month, eight month players. So it's unique. Um, never happened, you know. And so um, we'll we'll be ready for LMU. They're dangerous. Um, they serve well. They they know what they like to do and they do it well. And every match at this point is the most important match of the year because it's the next match on our schedule that helps us get one more step closer to the championship that we want to win in the West Coast and to playing our very best in the tournament and going as far as we can. So it's going to be, uh, you know, the emotions, we'll chat about it, we'll, we'll honor, and we'll also talk even today uh, to prepare ourselves, mostly prepare me, that, you know, <laughs> we, we can fill our feels. Um, but it, it's, it's you, don't, you never want to take for granted playing in the Smithfield House. And that's one of the things, you know, I hope these girls have learned is you just never know when that's going to be over. And so if this is it tomorrow, let's let's go out in a burning blaze of, blaze of glory. I yes, don't know. I love it. Because you never know. And then if you get a play at home again, blessings for sure. But sure. we're gonna we're gonna live it up tomorrow. And I think we're gonna we're gonna bring it and we're gonna play for those seniors. If you don't play at home again, I'll be very upset. But yeah, well, uh, as would you. But yes, Heather, we appreciate the time. I know it's uh, gonna be an emotional, fun uh, day tomorrow. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. Heather. Heather Olmstead in the city. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Tournament time approaches for 13th ranked and 4th seeded BYU women's soccer. And they'll take the field with somewhat of a 
walking, and running miracle. Enter sophomore midfielder Ellie Mon, who knew her athletic career was in major jeopardy early this year. This is Deep Blue featuring Ellie Mon, presented by Brady Industries Simply Better. We were at a soccer um, camp once. Well, it was a tryouts for ODP. And afterwards, a couple of parents came over to me and the one dad says to me, we were watching Elliot at a break. And then Ellie noticed a girl that was all alone, Nick, you know, sitting by herself that hadn't come with anybody. And so Ellie walks over to her and grabs her, talks to her and grabs her bag and brings her over and introduces her to everybody. and. And, you know, that's the kind of person Ellie is. Ellie's work rate, her personality, her, her drive, and her level of competition. She is a true competitor and loves to go out and compete, and that's something that we, we really look for a lot in, in uh, potential athletes. We had a great freshman year. We made it to the Elite Eight. It was awesome to be a part of that. And then COVID hit, and we didn't really necessarily know if we were going to have a season or not and we were still preparing like we were going to have a season. We actually started fall camp. We started training like we were. I mean, I was feeling the fittest I've ever felt, the strongest I ever I've had felt. Scadlock trying to hold off Cameron Tucker. An attempt by Ellie Mon, and she is down and in some significant pain. I went down to the end line. Um, I took a touch past my defender and I slid to keep the ball in bounds because I kind of took a long touch and um, it, my ankle just rolled up underneath me. I'm like, oh, God, she's rolled her ankle, you know, and she stays down. And, and then she stays down for a long time. And I, you know, Ellie's a tough kid. She's, she gets up and plays. I could see that she was hurt, but I really thought she was going to get up. Like, I just kept waiting and kept waiting because, you know, Ellie has gone down a lot, but she always gets up. I remember a tournament when she was probably 12 in Vegas. Um, I mean, her ankle was the size of a grapefruit. And we wrapped it up, and she played and had three goals that tournament. And My ankle just rolled up underneath me, and immediately I knew that it was broken. I mean, I just, I, the way it felt and, like, how, this is gonna sound bad, but how it sounded, like I just knew that it was season ending. To see your child go through that, that was really hard. And then, um, but at the same time, I was like, you know what, you'll be back by the end of the season. Like, it's not the end of the world. And then Monday came. Not only had she broken her fibula, but she had torn all of the ligaments in her leg. And so, they um, had told us that had this injury happened a few years earlier than that, um, it would be career ending for her because she would never have the stability in that, in that leg again. But they said that they were, would be able to go in and they tethered the tibia and the fibula together with wires and anchored them down. So with that, they, they said, you're looking at about six to nine months before you can touch a soccer ball. So I went home for four weeks. I really think I just needed that time to kind of refocus. I was devastated about the injury, obviously, but those four weeks at home really like helped me get back on my feet. The girl that, that played for Weber State that 
um, was in the collision when Ellie, so Ellie went down for a slide tackle and the girl, I think she kind of threw her off balance a little bit. It wasn't intentional at all. Um, about a week after Ellie was home, there's a knock on the door and she came. They had a good cry together. Um, of course, you know, she's a college athlete and she could see the pain that Ellie was in. Sometimes people don't realize how hard it is mentally uh, and physically on athletes who work and train so hard and then that is taken away from them. You know, that was a really tough injury, uh, tough for our team, obviously tough for Ellie and her family knowing it was going to be a long haul back. As soon as I could really get going on my rehab, it just like gave me a sense of hope that I really can play at a high level again, you know, because when, when you're trying to learn how to move your ankle again and really trying to like learn how to like roll up on your ankle and walk again it's just like you feel like how am I ever going to play at an elite level if I'm learning how to you know roll my ankle or do inversion and eversion you know it's just it's something that kind of takes away from the reality of the healing. First game of the season comes and it's against Weber State again. There was such a pit in my stomach. Then all of a sudden I look over and she's coming out on the field and um, oh, I was a bundle of nerves. I think I was shaking like a leaf. I actually know the girl that, um, the defender that was on me when I broke my leg and she, I ran out on the field. She gave me a big hug and was just like, hey, I'm happy to see you back out here. And so it was just an all around great moment. So Weber State was exhibition and then just having Ohio State come on Southfield, the atmosphere was amazing. A ton of fans there. Olivia back in through. A shot and a goal! Ellie Mond! Welcome Mon. back, Ellie Mond with the left foot crushes it. That is a feel-good goal for this BYU women's soccer team. And she is hugging her teammates. Oh, did that feel good for Ellie? I just put it away with my left foot and the, the one I broke and it just felt so good. My teammates were so excited for me and I was so excited. Ever since I had broken my leg, I, that's all I thought, thought about, you know, that time where I was going to score a goal, having that taken away from you and then being back out there contributing, it was just the most amazing feeling. Really exciting for her and for us to see you know, her go in and get a goal and, and the emotion and the excitement that came from that and all the hard work that she had put in. And, and I really believe that Ellie has a lot more goals and a lot more celebrations left in her career. She is a competitive, hardworking soccer player, but she is that person that puts her arm around the, the people that are you know downtrodden and, and lifts them up. She's always got a smile on her face. and and uh, and I love her. Deep Blue with Ellie Mon of BYU Women's Soccer. The Cougars, number 13 in the latest polls, number four in the uh, numbers that really matter, these national seedings, and they will take on New Mexico Saturday at Southfield. Yeah, baby. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Okay, this just in, BYU Women's Soccer 
playing New Mexico Saturday. We already knew that, 7 Eastern. What's just in is that BYU TV will broadcast the game. Yes. We just got permission from the NCAA. We are doing the game. And to talk about it and, and break it down, we welcome in the goalkeeper, Cassidy Smith, who is in her seventh year, yet it's her first BYU Sports Nation interview. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's great you. to have you. How, how do you make Thank it you. seven years and this is your first time on here? I don't know. I don't that's know. our bad. Yeah, I think that's a you problem. It's a <laughs> us yes, problem, yeah. That's not you my have, problem. Your that's career your problem. <laughs> has spanned three presidents of the United States. That's um, unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't know that till I walked in here. I was like, oh, that's, that's trouble. I, <laughs> I, maybe I didn't want to know that. Everybody's at home right now going... Wait a minute. How can she be here seven years? So you better explain how you how you got how you can be here for seven years. Okay. Um, yeah, I could actually be here eight, but we're gonna call it quits. Oh, oh shoot, man! Because um, of COVID, right? Yep. Oh my! Come oh. on, do it. Break a record. Yeah. But but explain you're, how you could be here seven and maybe eight. Um. So I did a chosen red shirt, chosen um, my freshman year, and then I had two medical red shirts um, following that, and then I had the COVID year, so that's why I could do the eighth year. So. What, what were the injuries that caused the medical returns? Two labrum tears in my shoulders. So. One in each. One in each, and then I tore my other one right before COVID as well, but just haven't got it surgically repaired yet. So, so. you're playing as a goalkeeper. You have to raise said arms and shoulders <laughs> with a torn labrum in your right shoulder? Yes. Are you right-handed? I am right-handed. How so is when, that? When you go up and, and, and you get a, a stop, does it hurt? If you stick out that right arm and and somebody kicks the ball right into it, does that hurt that? Oh, wait, that motion made me cringe. But oh no! <laughs> I definitely have to learn how to. I've had to learn how to dive differently. Done a ton of rehab on it. Um, but yeah, just try and keep my shoulder in front, my arm in front of my body, and I'm usually okay. Just can't let it go oh back here. Every time so. Cassie makes a save, I'm gonna cringe. Now. <laughs> Seriously, that's just, that's incredible that you're playing through that. How? Throughout your career, you've waited for kind of your time to be the starter, right? What what was it like to patiently wait, get healthy, and now these last two years have been outstanding seasons. You guys are hoping to really make this a special one. Yeah, I just feel really grateful. Um, I think going into our COVID spring season and then this one especially, it's just felt special. And... I have, I mean, I've had people tell me, like, do it for you. Like, this is what you've worked for. Um, but for me, I've just felt nothing but gratitude. Um, see it as a gift as being able to still play despite a crummy shoulder, but just trying to soak in every second of it. And now you find yourselves hosting an NCAA tournament, a game here, a match tonight. Um, or not today, Saturday. Saturday. Cassie's um, like, what? Like, Cassie's like, <laughs> I gotta wait go. a minute, I'm not, I don't have my mind ready. I'm talking to you guys, and you guys are messing up my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about all these. But So on Saturday, you host an NCAA tournament game. What's, what's that like to, to have a game in the tournament at home? That is something that's really special. There's nothing like playing on Southfield. And, I mean, all across the country we have a fan base that's huge, right? But Southfield, our fans – they're the difference maker, the energy difference, um, and we we play for our fans for sure. We rise to that energy, so we could not be more excited, especially a tournament game. So. Oh, it's going to be great. 7 Eastern on BYU TV, BYU in New Mexico, a little Mountain West history there. You're old but not that old to have played in the Mountain West, but we're talking to super-duper senior Close. Cassidy Smith. Let's talk about New Mexico, and because you've got a win to advance. Um, and even before that, were you guys surprised that you got a seed? Because your ranking is excellent, but that doesn't actually fare into the conversation. 
it's RPI, it's record. Yeah. You guys got a seed, and it's probably validating. Yeah, for sure. I, I was surprised personally. Um, we didn't get the wins we wanted in our preseason, and so we knew that was going to impact our seeding in the tournament. So I was surprised, and if it, but didn't really change how I was going to prepare or go into it. Um, New Mexico's a good team, so just taking it one step at a time. What, what's the uh, the key to a victory against New Mexico, like specific to New Mexico? I know you have some things that are the same all the time. Hey, score more goals than the other team, shut them out. That'll do it. But specific to this team, what does what BYU have to do? Um, what we've been focusing on this week, at least, is just doing what we do. Um, we play with a super high-intensity, high pace, and uh, high-pressure, high-pressure defense. And so we believe if, if we just do what we do, it doesn't matter who we play. Um, we can we can get the job done just by focusing on us. So. Certainly you have to beat New Mexico, but there is a Sweet 16 potential matchup with Virginia who knocked you out last year. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about it? <laughs> yeah, it's hard not <laughs> to think about that, especially with the last year's score, but um, definitely trying to stay present. But we, I was stoked to be in their same bracket. Mm. Definitely want a second second chance at them. So That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. I, I love how – so coaches always go, oh, do we play Virginia? And the coaches know they sat down and looked at that, right? But they'll <laughs> never never say that. But players, and you know this, you look at that bracket and go, oh, man, we need to beat these guys. I want those guys. These guys I want. You do. You look at it's the whole okay bracket, to, right? It's okay to it, dream. Isn't it okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you can do sure. that and come back and focus on the game at hand, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Totally. So, yeah. Okay, this team has been really special. Uh, I know in the spring you guys wanted to do more. And then it was, like, weird to see Santa Clara go and win the national championship because you're on par with them. You split with them. So do you feel like this team needs to make a run to validate how good you are in the NCAA tournament? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think what has been special about this season is it being so close to our spring season. We were able to just pick up where we left off. And there wasn't ever this convincing ourselves of, oh, we can do this, we can do this. It's just been deep in us. Like, mm. we know what we're capable of. Um, didn't take any convincing or... Um, Special rah-rah. Yeah, like, it was just, this is what we, this is our goal. Um, and Santa Clara doing it last year made it really realistic for us. We knew, I mean, we beat them last spring, and we knew things should have been different last spring. Fell short a little bit, but no, I think we're really excited. Starting at home certainly helps. Yes, For the tourney, you went to, you know, you went away, right, as everyone did. So so the mindset, and you and I talked about this before we just came on. I said, is is this a team that can go win the national championship? And and you said? Yeah. uh, Let's go do it. I think that's what I said. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what you said. And the the final four, honestly, is the only thing really missing on Jen's resume. Just getting to that one, right, would be everything. Yet it starts with New Mexico, and then you work your way uh, mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And you have all the pieces, which is exciting. And, Blaine, it's been so fun to watch this team all year because you, you might have the best player in the country in Michaela Coolhan. Cam Tucker scores a million goals. you got a million great pieces around you. Have you ever been bored during a game where you're up like 5 nothing and you have to like stay engaged? Because I've joked that like you've been reading a book back there. You know, <laughs> like, you're the goalie, and the ball sometimes doesn't even come in the, that half. You know? yeah. What's that like? Um, those games are actually more stressful for me than other <laughs> ones because Why? it's way harder to get in the, the flow in those mm. games. Whereas if it's an intense Pepperdine game, it's like, 
oh, I'm in. I'm locked in, flowing, really not too nervous, right? It's high intensity, but I'm like locked in. It's the ones where I'm sitting back there. It's freezing cold. I'm trying to bounce <laughs> up and down and like stay warm. Um, so I wouldn't say I get bored. I'm more stressed, actually. So <laughs> That's interesting. The more, the more you're engaged in the action, the more you're in. You the don't even worry about it. Yeah. The more there is yourself. to just think about yeah. it and stand back there. The yeah. But, but that hilarious. means the pressure D you're talking about is doing a great job out in front of you. Yes, for sure. So, I, I have to say, Jared, before we came on, I said, is this a team that can win? You know, And she goes, yeah, let's go. And, and it reminded me, before the Arizona State game, I, I ran up to D'Angelo Mandel. Arizona State throws the ball a bunch. I said, D'Angelo, these guys, what do you think about this? And he goes, oh, they're going to challenge me a lot. They're going to come right at me. And I said, what do you think? And he goes, oh, bring it. <laughs> Cassidy had the same bring energy. Let's she go. was like, let's go. Yes. Let's go do this. Let's yes. go win a national championship. I love it. And we should uh, congratulate you on uh, getting the coach conference championship in dramatic fashion Saturday. That was really fun. Thank you. Double. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's go Top 5 Tuesday presented yes. by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. We're looking at the top five wins of the BYU football season to this point. How would you rank them? We're about to tell you how we rank them. Start us off, Jerem. Number five, Utah State. Wow. BYU is ranked 4-0, ranked number 13, trying to get to 5-0 back-to-back season. Malik Moore, second-best play of the season, in my opinion. Had an interception in the first half. Cougars were up 24-13 at halftime, thanks to two rushing touchdowns from Tyler Algier. Here it is. Oh, left-handed. Are you serious? Second-best play of the year by far. First is obvious, okay? Tyler Algier, Tom Chop. Tyler Algier, a couple touchdowns there. Tyler, uh, Isaac Rex, touchdown from Baylor Romney, who gets knocked out of the game at halftime. So Jacob Conover comes in, does a first-team All-American job of handing off to Tyler Algier, who had 218 yards and three touchdowns. Cougars won 34-20, kept the old wagon wheel. It's a credit to Utah State that they're on this list because beating Arizona in Vegas, I would have thought, yeah, it would probably be a top-five win. Nope. No. They're not good. Utah State 7-2. Number four, Washington State. BYU in Pullman, one of their Power 5 wins, and this one in true road format. Fourth win over a Pac-12 team in the fourth try this season. Tyler Algier, 191 yards on 32 carries, two touchdowns. Malik Moore had another interception. He probably got an NIL deal after this game. BYU moved to 6-2 after they beat the Cougars on the Palouse. Number three, Arizona State. This was BYU's first home game as a ranked team against another ranked team. Since 09 at home, Cruz forced three turnovers, fumble on the opening kickoff, picks from Max Tooley, Malik Moore as well, set up three first-half touchdowns. Then late in the third quarter, Jaron Hall is picked off. But Tyler Algier made the play of the year by chasing the interceptor, punching the ball out, and Hall recovered. This is an incredible play. Here the Romney came in for an injured Jaron Hall, threw a touchdown to seal the win, 27-17. to I'm stalling because I want to see the tomahawk chop one more time. <laughs> And it's too far down in the highlights. Here it is. Oh, here, here it is. Here we'll see it. It's just so good. Okay. It's just so good. What's this cat's name again? Chase Robertson? Tyler Algier? Good Chase luck. Is, no, Merlin Robertson. No. Sorry. No wizardry here. Number two, BYU. Number 25 team in the country at the time they welcomed Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia into the Wait, what? Edward Stadium. 66 to 49. The shootout, we wondered if BYU could win if they got into it. Yeah. They can win it, and they did. Also, Tyler Algier ran for 266 yards and tied a BYU record of five rushing touchdowns. Jaron Hall was quietly amazing. 
66 points is the most BYU's ever scored against a Power 5 opponent, which is why it's number two on the list. Which means there's only one other game that could top Virginia, Jerome. Idaho host Utah, September 11th. BYU ended the nine-game losing streak and the 12-year drought. Oh, Dave McCann's flyover happened. BYU beat Utah 26-17. Cougars were unranked. Utah was number 21. Two early forced turnovers. Got the lead. Jaron Hall threw touchdown passes to couple, uh, three different players in this one. Samson Nakua, one of them. He was great. Then it seemed like almost everybody in Utah County stormed the field after that. It was a glorious night where BYU ended the streak. And really, we thought, okay, BYU's good. And then they continued to climb from there. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.